So we are continuing today our series on the Holy Spirit. And if you were able to join us for the past couple of weeks, we've kind of talked about the Holy Spirit, um, kind of overall, kind of the general um, different aspects of the Holy Spirit. And there really is nothing general about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is incredible and awesome. The Holy Spirit is God in us. And last week we talked about what the Holy Spirit does at the beginning of our faith journey early. And ultimately we talked about how the Holy Spirit he, um, he reveals things to us, whether it is spiritual truths or who Jesus is. We start to realize some of these things, and the Holy Spirit also draws us to God, because without the drawing of the Holy Spirit, people would not be drawn to God and to salvation through Jesus Christ. And so today, I want to continue on. Last week, we talked about how the Holy Spirit informs and transforms. And today we want to talk about, or we're going to talk about what the Holy Spirit does as we are continuing to mature in our faith. And when we look at it biblically, what the Holy Spirit does as Christians mature in their faith, as they grow in their belief and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, we see that the Holy Spirit empowers and he equips Christians. And so that is where we're going to be focusing today. And so the first question I want to answer and talk about is why does the Holy Spirit empower and equip Christians? What is the point? And there's a passage and it is 1 Peter 4 verses 10 through 14 that gives us a great explanation. It really talks about three reasons why the Holy Spirit empowers and equips. And so in the NASB, it says this, it says, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking actual words of God. Whoever serves is to do, uh, do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. Whoever, um, so that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Verse 12 continues, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though something, um, as though something strange were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that at the revelation of his glory, you may also rejoice and be overjoyed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God, the Holy Spirit, rests upon you. So what we see from this passage, that the number one reason, first and foremost, that the Holy Spirit empowers and equips Christians, it is to point people to God and the salvation that they can receive through belief in Jesus Christ. This is reinforced, or we see this concept again in Acts 1.8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you, will, you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and, um, and as far as the remote, remotest parts of the earth. So we're empowered to be witnesses of God's grace, of his mercy, of salvation through him. So the Holy Spirit helps us to point people to God. We see this also in Acts 4, verse 31. 
It says, and when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were filled and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the words of God with boldness. So the Holy Spirit helps us share our testimony, share the word of God to others. And we can be bold in it. Sometimes we don't have the confidence. Sometimes we don't have the passion or we're fearful of sharing the gospel message with others. But the Holy Spirit empowers us in order that we can point people to God and the incredible gift of salvation. The second reason that we see in that first Peter verse, so one, it's to point to God, and two, it's to serve others. We see this explained again in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. It says, but to each, uh, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So we receive this empowerment or this equipping to help others. It's for the common good. It's not for us. It's for others. So that is the second reason, the second thing that we see in this passage of why the Holy Spirit empowers and equips, and that is to serve others. And the final thing I want to talk about that we see here in that passage is that if we are being truly honest with ourselves, it's not easy being a Christian. We will go through some persecution at some point for the belief that we have our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. A great example of this is found in Acts 7 verses 54 through 60. It says this, it says, now when they heard this, they were infuriated and they began gnashing their teeth at him. But he being full of the Holy Spirit looked intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. But they shouted with loud voices and covered their ears and rushed at him with one mind. When they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the, witness, uh, the witnesses laid aside their cloaks at the feet of a young man named Saul. They went on stoning Stephen and he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. So Stephen, the disciple, he was full of the Holy Spirit. And we see that because of that, he was able to deal with this incredibly tough situation, one that ended his life. He was being persecuted for speaking the truth. And there were so many against him. And he was physically abused, not just verbally, but the Holy Spirit in him took him to that place where he could actually ask God to forgive these people that were attacking him. And then he passed away. He fell asleep. And think about that. I, I, I don't think many of us are going to experience situations like that because we're Christians, but we're going to go through some kind of persecution, some sort of attacks. And so the Holy Spirit is here. He's in us to help us in these situations, to get through them, to overcome them. And sometimes the attacks, these are going to be external attacks. These are going to be people that are persecuting us. These could be non-Christians who they disagree with us. They're angry for what we believe and they're attacking us. They may, you know, be slandering us. It may be something we see online, but they're attacking us. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us to get through those tough situations. And sometimes it could be other brothers and sisters in Christ. It could be other Christians 
who are attacking us. And this is something that we see. Unfortunately, we have seen a lot of this in the last year. There's Christians out there that are on differing sides of political issues or differing sides of health issues. And instead of sitting there and talking about it and saying, hey, I love you regardless, and let's trust the Holy Spirit to help us through this. Instead of doing this, they're pointing fingers and they're saying, you're not really a Christian because you've made this decision or you haven't made this decision or because you believe this person and not this person, you're not a Christian. That's the kind of nonsense that is happening. So we need the Holy Spirit to help us. And sometimes those attacks are not just from Christians. They can come from your own friends and family, and that can be so painful. We need the Holy Spirit in us to help us. And unfortunately, sometimes the attacks, they're closer to home. Literally, they are inside of us. Some attacks, they are internal. Our flesh, our selfish, sinful desires, they can get in the way of what God wants. And so we need the Holy Spirit battling it out with sin inside of us, those, those lustful desires that we have. We need the things of God. We need the Holy Spirit helping to fight those temptations and those struggles that we go through. And we'll talk about that here in a minute when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. But we need that. We need the Holy Spirit to help us because it isn't easy to be a Christian. And so those are three reasons why the Holy Spirit empowers us and equips us. One, to point us to God and to point others to God. Two, to serve others. And three, because it isn't easy to be a Christian, we are going to go through some persecution at some time. The next thing I want to take a look at is how exactly does the Holy Spirit do this? So it's awesome that he does this for incredible reasons to help us live our lives as believers. But how does this take place? How does he empower us? Well, some of the ways is he emboldens us. We talked about that earlier, that sometimes we need that boldness to share the gospel message, or sometimes we need the boldness to pray for others. You know, you might be one of those people out there that it's, you know, not your thing. You might not be really comfortable praying for other people or praying in a public place. But with the Holy Spirit in you, because he resides in your heart, you can pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give you a boldness to do it no matter what. And sometimes because of that, you will be praying for someone in the perfect situation in this time of need for them. But we need that boldness to push us, to encourage us to do that. The Holy Spirit will give us confidence. There's times when we're not confident in our abilities and the things that we can do, the things that we can say. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us to overcome ourselves. And praise God for that because amazing things happen when people have the courage, the confidence the boldness to speak the gospel message. Also, courage itself. Sometimes we are fearful. We're afraid. We're afraid to make mistakes. We're afraid to make certain decisions. And so we need the Holy Spirit to help us, to give us discernment on the things we should do and the things that we shouldn't do, the things that we need to avoid, the things that we need to stay away from. The Holy Spirit strengthens us as well. And typically, this is emotional strength, that sometimes we feel defeated, we feel crushed, we feel like we cannot go on. But when we rely on the Holy Spirit, he will empower us and help us to have that strength to continue. And there are situations, and this is something more we will talk about next week, 
or there may be the Holy Spirit and uh, the Holy Spirit in you will give you some physical strength to accomplish something in some crazy situation. And that's the holy wow kind of things that the Holy Spirit does. And we'll talk about that more next week. But the final thing here, as far as how the Holy Spirit empowers us, it has to do with experiencing the fruit of the Spirit. We find this in Galatians 5, and I'm going to read verses 16 through 17 and then 19 through 23. It says this, it says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the desire of the flesh is against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. Let me stop there. I love that, that because we have the Holy Spirit in us, and as I mentioned earlier, that sometimes attacks come internally, their own sinful, lustful desires, the Holy Spirit kind of battles it out with our flesh to help us. Why? Because if we didn't have the Holy Spirit doing that, we would do a lot of dumb things, and people still do a lot of dumb things with the Holy Spirit in them, so we need to rely on the Holy Spirit more. We need to be in unity and communion with the Holy Spirit. We need to listen to him so that he will help us that he will keep us from doing those things that we should not do. Let me continue on here with verse 19. It says, now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostilities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing and things like these. I love that it says like these, because that means that there is a whole lot more, a lot more sinful desires that we have that get us in trouble. But that is a list to kind of give you an example of the places we can struggle. And if we're honest, we hit a lot of those on a daily basis. So we need the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it says this, it says, of which I for, uh, forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. I want to repeat those again because if you want to think about how do we combat all of those fleshy struggles that we have, if we want to combat the struggles in the world right now, if we want to figure out how do we get along with people better, how do we love people the way God wants us to through agape love, how do we do this? It is by the fruit of the Spirit, that which we exhibit, that's what uh, that which we experience the closer that we get to the Holy Spirit, the more that we trust Him and the more we are in relationship with them. So those things, again, are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So if you want to experience more of those things, if you want to be empowered in such a way that you will be able to deal with things the way God wants you to, grow closer to the Holy Spirit. Seek to understand him. Seek to draw closer to him. Because the Holy Spirit is what makes a difference in the lives of believers. So this final area that we're going to talk about, and we're going to be camped out here for a while, it's 
how does the Holy Spirit equip us? So we talked about how he empowers us, these different things that he helps us with, this kind of extra push in situations that are really tough for us. He empowers us in different ways. Again, it was things like encouragement or confidence. But now what are the tools? How does he equip us? Well, scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit bestows upon us spiritual gifts. And so it's these spiritual gifts that God, that the Holy Spirit gives us to equip us to do ministry, to do life with others. And when people talk about spiritual gifts, they are typically referencing three different lists that we find in scripture, that we find in the Bible. And I believe it's really important to talk about each of these lists of gifts separately instead of clumping them together, because sometimes people want to clump them together. But I feel personally that it's not good to do that because even though these lists, all, these lists all cover spiritual gifts, the gifts don't all function the same. They don't operate in the same way and they don't show up the same way either. And so when you clump these things together, they are really hard to understand. There's a lot of confusion that sets in and people are like, well, am I experiencing them? I don't think I believe in this because I'm not experiencing or how do I experience it? And that is some of the confusion that comes when we don't break each of these three lists down. And so today I wanna do that. We're actually gonna cover two of the lists today and then we're gonna cover one next week. And that's gonna be the Holy Wow Week because that list is, it's the miraculous, it's the crazy awesome. Everything the Holy Spirit does, everything that God does is awesome, but that's like a whole nother level of supernatural awesome. So I'm saving that for next week. But this week we're gonna be talking about two lists. And the first list that I wanna talk about, these are special roles that God calls certain individuals to in the body of Christ. And so this list is called the ministry gifts. Some people refer to this as the five-fold ministry. And we find this in Ephesians 4. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 4 and then 11 and 12. Uh, it says this. It says, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling. So these gifts often for people that are called to it, it is a calling. And that's something we will talk about here in a second. And so what you'll see here is that this is kind of a special category. It's a special thing that God wants some people to do. So this is how I was talking about earlier this gift, it operates or it looks a little bit different than some of the other spiritual gift lists that we'll talk about. So we find out what these five ministry gifts are in verse 11 and 12. It says, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. It's interesting that this passage, it tells us that God gave some to these positions. He gave some that he called to the fivefold ministry. So though, although it is a blessing to be in the fivefold ministry, whether you are a pastor, a teacher, you know, if you're called, you know, 
people have differing views if apostles or prophets of those in the context of this passage still exist today. And so we're not going to get into that argument, but I think it's clear that we can say evangelists, pastors, and teachers are still around today. And so I want to focus on that. And in this context is saying that God gave those in those positions to the church. And so, as I was saying earlier, it is a blessing to be a pastor. No doubt. I love doing it. But ultimately, if you're in the fivefold ministry, if that is what God is calling you to, then you are a gift to the church. So it's kind of a kind of a strange gift. And again, this is why we want to separate out these lists. And it's also important, as I mentioned earlier, that word some. This means that not everyone is called to be in full-time ministry. It is a calling that we should not take lightly. Because if you are called, if you are if you have a ministry gift in this context of this passage, it means you bear the responsibility and the burden to share the gospel message, to care for believers, and to equip them for ministry. That's the job of individuals that are called to the fivefold ministry, individuals that are called to this list, uh, this, list this ministry gift list. And this is also the reason why you will find many churches, many denominations, the, uh, the Free Methodist denomination, our denomination does this, that they put a lot of weight into ordaining people. And that's because they want to be sure that this is what you're called to. And they want to kind of have a special time of prayer to anoint you into that position of how you are serving in this capacity. And I believe in my heart, kind of a, a quote I thought about it is that if God doesn't call you to it, you're not going to get through it. That's why this list, again, it's kind of different. It doesn't mean that this list is more important than the others or that if you are called to ministry, you're better than anyone. That is not what it means at all. And here's the reality that whether you are called, you know, if you are, uh, if you have this ministry gift or not, you are still a minister of God's word. That's why we encourage everyone to serve in the church in some way, shape, or form. Because regardless of if you are a youth leader, if you are working the AV equipment, if you are a greeter, if you just sweep in front of the church building, you're a minister of God's word, which means you have the opportunity to share the gospel message and salvation through Jesus in your unique way, wherever you're serving. We all have the ability to do that. That's why no one should be unemployed in the church. We all are all are, we are all ministers of God's word. So those are the ministry gifts. This next list I want to talk about, and this is one probably most people are the, the most familiar with. These are motivational gifts. And we see this referenced in Romans 12 verses 4 through 8. Um, starting with verse four, it says this, it says, for just as we have many parts in one body and all the body's parts do not have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually parts of one another. However, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to use them properly if prophecy in proportion to one's faith, if service in the act of serving, 
or the one who teaches in the act of teaching, or the one who exhorts in the work of exhortation, the one who gives with generosity, the one who is in leadership with diligence, the one who shows mercy with cheerfulness. A way to sum those up or, or that kind of title of motivational gifts, you know, I think these are best understood as what naturally motivates you to serve others or how do you naturally serve others? Kind of what's your bet? How do you deal with other people? How do you interact with them in a ministry sense? That's what these motivational gifts are. And the motivational gifts, they're really the basis of most of the spiritual gifting tests that churches offer or other ministries offer. And if you ever wonder, why is it the churches or, or why, why would Peninsula do this? It's because we want to know, really, what's the best ministry fit for you? Things for longevity, to make sure that you're excited about what you're doing, to make sure that maybe, you know, that the ministry you're doing isn't um, really tough, that it's a big drain on you. And sometimes we are going to times where things are challenging. But hopefully, as you are serving and helping others, hopefully you'll, you'll feel that this is where God wants you. And so that's why we want people to do these spiritual gifts tests. Now, people, you know, Christians, we all possess some combination of these motivational gifts, but some are going to stick out more than others. And so we take a look at those and say, that is kind of this person's primarily gifting. This is kind of what they were wired for. And I believe the fact that we have this this mix, kind of this hodgepodge of, of, these, of these giftings is because we can't always do what we want in the church. Sometimes we need to serve wherever there is a need. And so if we have some, um, some level, you know, of, of gifting in this area, if we are motivated by helping someone or, or serving in some way, if we're motivated in that in a little way, it makes it a lot easier when you're doing something that maybe you're not overly passionate about. And so praise God that we have received kind of a mix of these different giftings. Now, I want to spend some time talking about each of these motivational gifts and a little greater detail, so you better understand them, because sometimes when you see summaries on tests, they don't quite make a lot of sense, and so I wanted to take some time to explain them from a biblical perspective, and maybe this is how you've been gifted. So if you are someone that has the prophetic motivational gift, if this is kind of your the natural way that you interact with others, the natural way that you do ministry, typically you are you just feel compelled. You are wired. It is how you are. You have to communicate and enforce the revealed truth. So you are passionate about telling the truth, whether it's calling people out on sin or whatever it happens to be. This is how you are. Like you can't not do this. This is what you were built to do. And sometimes this means that there might be in a divinely empowered kind of foretelling. God may drop some knowledge about something that's happening, but typically when we are talking about this prophetic motivational gift, it's not talking about future events. Well, that could happen. Typically, it is talking about revealing the truth of God. That is how you're wired. That is what you need to do. Um, but there is this caveat, and it's what's so incredible about this passage. It says, in proportion to your faith. So that means whatever truth someone with this motivational gift has, it better be biblical, and it better also kind of balance out with your level of faith, yourself, and God. There's nothing, I, I, I couldn't imagine anything more ridiculous 
than someone who had this gifting that is talking about the truth, that's calling out sin, yet they are doing the complete opposite of everything that they do. I would say that is that there's something wrong there with that gifting. So that's what's so incredible. It's in proportion to your faith. That's what scripture tells us. The second motivational gift is serving. So this is taking care of the needs of others. And the Greek, uh, when you look at it, it's kind of the example of someone waiting on people at a table. So we're serving people. But it also says to do it in service, serve as you are in service. And so basically it's saying, you know, if you're serving, do it passionately, do it well, serve well, serve in a godly manner. We see that kind of similar point when we talk about the next motivational gift, which is teaching. And this is instructing or imparting biblical truth. This is your motivational gift. You want to teach people the truth of God. You want to share the gospel message. And so when you are using this motivational gift, or if this is your natural bent, then do it well. Do it with passion when you are teaching. You want to do it in a godly, respectful manner. This is the third place we see that same kind of example with exhorting. And some people are like, what is exhorting? If you look at the word, again, if you look at the Greek, it's encouraging. Some people say it's the gift of encouragement. Others will say the gift of exhortation, but it's encouraging. It's comforting and consoling others. So if this is your gifting, if this is the natural way that you deal with others, then do it passionately. Do it in a godly manner. When you are encouraging others, then do it to the best of your abilities. The next uh, motivational gift, it is giving, and this is to give a share of something. But just like with the prophetic motivational gift, here it says with generosity. So we are to give with generosity. If you look at the definition of generosity, it means it's giving without expectation of anything in return. So if you are someone and you want to give, but you're expecting to get your name on a building or you're expecting favor with the pastor, then you probably don't have this gift because you're not doing it with generosity. If you truly are motivated by giving, then you do it without expecting anything in return. There's two more gifts here. One is leading, and this is presiding over or directing but the caveat here is with diligence. You need to do it passionately. You have to care about it. You need to take it serious. So if you have the motivational gift of leadership, you need to do it well. And the final one is showing mercy. And I have, you know, always kind of struggled to understand what exactly this gift meant. And, I, and part of that was because I always thought it was similar to, to exhortation. I was like, oh yeah, it's caring about people. It's encouraging them. But showing mercy, again, you got to go to the Greek. It's different. It's actually showing pity on someone. And it's not pity in a bad way. It's pity where this breaks your heart to see this person in this situation. But again, it has that caveat. It says with cheerfulness. And cheerfulness can also be defined as grace. So you are not judging you're doing it in a positive manner, that it's not taking pity on someone to belittle them. It's taking pity because you care, because it breaks your heart to see them in the situation that they're in. There's two more gifts that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And the reason 
we don't often talk about these is they get a little bit confusing because they seem so similar to ones we talked about. And that's helps and administration. So you've probably heard, oh yeah, I have the gift of helps or the gift of administration. Um, I wanna kind of explain how helps is a little bit different than serving. Helps is more, it's, hey, Pastor Andrew needs some help with this project. I can help behind the scenes to support him. Where that's a little bit different than just serving in general. And so I wanted to let you know if you have the gift of help, that you want to help. You want to jump in and make things easier for anybody else. And then the gift of administration, it looks so similar to leading. And that's why a lot of people kind of get confused on it. But it's someone that just has that natural ability to kind of bring things together, bring people together, to bring ordered things um, it also, you know, they do a lot of leadership things as well. And so I do want to throw those out there. And there are other giftings that people experience. They're just maybe not talked about in the Bible, but they're there. But when we are specifically talking about the motivational gifts, these are the ones that we are talking about. I thought a great way to kind of uh, to conclude and wrap things up here is to give you guys some examples of how this would play out in reality. Like what would someone with each of these giftings, how would they respond in a situation? And so the example I thought about was one that we deal with at Peninsula a lot. And it's that we have homeless individuals that visit the church. Sometimes they're camped out in front of the building. And so I'm gonna run through this list and kind of give you examples of, this is how someone with this motivational gift might respond. And maybe this is how you respond. So this could help you a little bit to understand if this is your gifting. Someone with the prophetic um, motivational gift, they might say something like, you need to get help. Your situation will not improve if you don't make a change. So they're speaking the truth. That's just the way they are built, the thing that they need to do. If you have the serving gift, you may say something like, can I get you some water? Or, you know, I know we have to move your stuff from the church. Can I help you move all of your belongings? If you have the teaching motivational gift, you may say something like, let me tell you the best places that can help you get back on your feet. Or I can show you the best way to protect your belongings. So that would be the teaching um, gift. If it's encouragement, you might say something like, can I pray for you? You know, don't give up. You can turn your life around. It's not as bad as you think. If giving is your motivational gift, you may say, let me pay for you to get a room for the night. Let me buy you a hot meal. Or I have some blankets in my car that you can have. If leadership is your motivational gift, you may say something like, let me help you get back on your feet. I can take you to a shelter and then we'll work on helping you find a job. I want to make sure that I can help you and others in similar situations. And then the final one is showing mercy. This individual may say something along these lines. I'm so sorry that you're in this situation. And, and you know, we need to remember that, that this is a person and no one should ever have to live this way. I hope, you know, I, obviously my expressions kind of changed, but this is literally what I have seen with different people in our church and how they have responded to homeless people. And that's why we're the body of Christ. And that's why we need all of them, because any one of these motivational gifts by itself, it helps a little bit. 
but it doesn't help as much as it could if there was others around that had all of these other gifts as well. And that's the beauty in this. It's understanding that, again, these gifts, the way that the Holy Spirit empowers us and equips us, it's not for ourselves. It's for others. And we need everyone. We need the body of Christ to be able to do what God is calling us to. So let me close this out in prayer. And, and let's just pray. Let's pray for God to reveal these gifts in us. And let's ask God for more of them, for more of the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, thank you for dwelling in us. Thank you for the gifts that you have imparted to us. I pray, Lord, that there are individuals that really don't know what gifting they have. I pray that whether through, um, Lord Jesus, others that can share with them or taking a spiritual gift test, they'll better understand the way that you have wired them, the gift that the Holy Spirit has imparted in them. I pray that each of us would use the gifts that you have given us Lord Jesus, to point others to you, to serve others, and to help, help us in our faith journey. Holy Spirit, we want more of you. Your word talks about praying for more of you and your presence in our lives. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would manifest in such incredible ways in our lives, that we could not doubt your power and presence. I pray, Lord Jesus, if there is anyone who just doesn't understand you, um, doesn't believe in you, that through that calling of the Holy Spirit, that they would turn their lives towards you. Lord Jesus, we love you, we serve you, and we thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives. And we pray this in your name. Amen.